Good morning. My name is Amanda Agosti, and I'm the Executive Director of the City Club. I want to welcome everyone this morning tuning in to one of the City Club's first virtual events on our new platform. We hope that you find this platform as a great way to engage with your fellow City Club attendees and engage with the speaker by submitting questions in real time as well as comments throughout the speech. I want to especially thank our speaker today, Aaron, for joining us um, and our sponsors today of CDM Smith and ComEd. Thank you for your continued support of the City Club of Chicago. Since 1903, the City Club has been Illinois' premier public policy forum. We look forward to producing more virtual events for you. We want to thank our members for their continued support. If you're not a member or you'd like to support us, feel free to donate. There is a link um, to donate on the top right of your screen. We are a 501c3, so any support you provide is tax deductible. So we'll kick off while you're all here. Um, I want to introduce Aaron Aleman, the Executive Director of the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. Aaron is the first female Executive Director of CMAP. She has a wonderful breadth of experience, including time in the Illinois Department of Transportation as a Bureau Chief and the Director of the Office of Planning Program. She has her master's degree from, um, she has her master's degree in urban planning with an emphasis on design and development and is a member of the American Planning Association and Women's Transportation Seminar. I'd like to give a warm welcome from all of our homes to Erin. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks so much. I really uh, want to thank the City Club for having me on as their inaugural virtual speaker. I um, also want to um, just start off by commending Governor Pritzker, Mayor Lightfoot, and President Preckwinkle. Um, Illinois is faring far better because of your leadership during the COVID-19 crisis. And so, you know, this pandemic is really shining a light on the strength of our region, from essential workers to putting their lives on the line, uh, to those who are staying home to do their part. However, it's also shaping our region in profound ways by exposing underlying problems that had already existed but hadn't been as visible to, the ch to changing the way we work and live. But we are really in the midst of two ongoing and interrelated events, a global pandemic and the sustained persistent movement for justice and equity for black and brown people across our country. And as we start to prepare for the new normal, these two interconnected issues are providing us an opportunity. We can either go back to business as usual, or we can take this opportunity to intentionally shape our future and build the region we want rather than let it shape us. So the question is, what are we going to do with this opportunity? The good news is that we already have the playbook. The Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning, or CMAP, developed the region's long-range comprehensive plan on to 2050, identifying many of the issues that are apparent today, like health equity, the importance of transit, and the effects of climate change, among other issues. As the regional's the region's federally designated uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization, our role has been to efficiently program federal transportation dollars. And that's how many of you know us, the ones who program curb to curb. But as professional planners, we've also pledged to uphold the health, safety, and welfare of our communities. We're trained to anticipate unintended consequences of our policies, like how to access um, public transit and how that impacts quality of employment. 
how climate change disproportionately affects low-income communities, the stuff that happens beyond the curb. But the planning profession is also, has also been complicit in allowing bad policies to persist. We really need to take this time to check our blind spots, learn from them, and grow. Like applying the principles of equity to our long-used planning policies and address adverse impacts on our black and brown communities. That's why CMAP is uniquely positioned and why as its executive director, I'm doubling down on CMAP's efforts on these three critical interconnected issues to move the region forward. An accessible and multimodal transportation system, an inclusive and competitive economy, and a region that's prepared for climate change. These aren't new ideas that have sprung from COVID. These are the same pillars of the ONTO 2050 plan, and COVID has only underscored their importance to a strong recovery. Through all of our work, we will be guided by the principle of equity, the principle that everyone has the right and opportunity to a high quality of life. I'm hopeful we can get there because even my eight-year-old daughter gets it. She recently asked me what our family values are for a homework assignment. And I told her one of them was to treat others with equal respect. And she looked at me and said, Mom, Miss Rodriguez says we don't want to treat people equally. We want to treat people equitably. When you treat people equally, everyone gets the same thing. But equity means that people get what they need. When it comes to transportation, equity means ensuring people can get to where they need to go safely and reliably. As essential workers continue to work, we saw just how important transportation is to connect low-income communities to jobs. According to a CMAP analysis, an essential workers in the metropolitan Chicago region disproportionately live in low-income communities with high concentration of minorities. We also found that the number of vehicle trips starting in low-income areas have not declined as much as higher-income neighborhoods. Looking at this chart, you can see that not all of our residents have been impacted by the pandemic in the same way. Between February and March, the number of trips are the same for all income groups. The trips declined for all groups after the stay-at-home order was issued. However, the largest declines are for the highest income groups, illustrating that they have more options to work from home and shop online. So although we know that access to reliable transportation is important to connect people to jobs, that's not always the reality. Did you know that people of color have longer commute times? This means that jobs aren't accessible to large groups of people, even when they're qualified. And it means that living in transit poor areas, particularly those in the far south side, means a lot less access to better paying jobs. And for many of us, these issues may seem insurmountable, but there are small steps that each of us can take. And I know you've all been thinking about this. And if you haven't, I hope that I can spark this conversation for you by sharing a few steps being taken today to achieve a different, better result. Elevated Chicago, for example, understands the importance of transit in connecting low-income communities to economic and cultural opportunities. They've begun work along the green, pink, and blue CTA lines where people of color are at higher risk of displacement and where there's an opportunity to build up transit as an asset Leaders from these communities, including CMAP, are part of the Elevated Chicago Steering Committee and are equal partners to ensure local needs are being considered. Built in 1923, the Homewood Station also has a pace bus stop, serving as a critical transit hub almost 30 miles south of the Loop. Today, that station isn't accessible for those in wheelchairs or those traveling with strollers. The pedestrian tunnel provides access that provides access to the station floods every time it rains. 
But HOMA didn't have access to the capital it needed to make improvements. In 2017, CMAP began what would be a three-year process to reform how federal transportation money was distributed in our region. The goal was to move away from a formula-based process and to a performance-based one in order to make large and lasting contributions to the region. And let me reemphasize that point because the nuance is really important. Formulas simply tell you the answer to an equation. Performance measures tell you how you're doing and achieving your goals. Our goal should never be how many cars a road can carry. It should be about who the road serves and whether it's getting the people where they need to be. Ultimately, the 11 regional councils in the city of Chicago agreed that a significant but separate pool of funding was needed to implement projects on a regional significant, to implement projects of regional significance. Up until that point, projects that would have moved the needle on reducing congestion, improving quality of life, could not get funding with a formula that spread funding equally, not equitably, as my daughter noted. After applying the new formula, 17 projects were funded over five years, including the full funding for the Homewood Metro Station renovation. $31 million will go to communities with the highest need. By investing in communities that haven't had a spot at the proverbial table, the entire region benefits, and we are only as strong as our weakest community. This was all possible because the region decided that the whole was greater than the sum of its parts. Another transportation issue that requires a regional approach is our freight network. Metropolitan Chicago is truly the nation's freight hub with approximately $1.3 trillion worth of goods moving in and out of the region each year. Our status as the freight hub has been evident throughout the pandemic as toilet paper and sanitizers have flown off store shelves While personal travel in the region dropped 47% immediately after the stay-at-home order, freight rail experienced a modest decline of only 10%, lower than the national average. And today's truck traffic is nearly at pre-COVID levels. And while we don't anticipate this abating anytime soon, well before COVID, our online buying habits were already contributing to freight traffic increases. But our demand for next day or same day delivery is having unintended consequences on our transportation system and local communities. With more trucks and freight trains delivering our goods 24-7, we need to address congested rail crossings and how to move trucks more efficiently through our communities. The partnership between railroads and government known as CREATE is easing congestion by untangling bottlenecks. Whereas it once took 48 hours for a freight train to make its way through metropolitan Chicago, it now takes about half that time. There are also equity issues at play here. Freight traffic contributes to noise, air quality, and safety challenges for communities. So where do you think these freight hubs end up? In communities that haven't had the resource to undertake proactive, intentional planning activities. We can and must find a balance If harnessed strategically, the logistics and transportation industry can also be a powerful driver. Will County, for example, was experiencing high unemployment in the 80s and 90s after manufacturing left the area. Seeing distribution and logistics industry as an opportunity, they developed a strategy that leveraged its its assets and grew those jobs by 260%. Which brings me to the second core interrelated issue that CMAP will be prioritizing, an inclusive and competitive economy. 
With unemployment hitting an all-time high within the past few months, the vitality of Main Street businesses and the well-being of its employees is top of mind, and it should be. Businesses selling products and services locally employ over 60% of the region's workforce. However, the current economic crisis is overshadowing the region's longstanding economic challenges of stagnating growth and increasing inequities. The Chicago region, for example, has the highest black unemployment rate among the top 25 metropolitan areas. Metropolitan Chicago has also been in a prolonged period of slow growth since 2001, growing at less than half of the, the rate of the United States. We are falling behind our peers like Washington, D.C., New York, and Los Angeles. Our best bet for jumpstarting economic growth is to invest in industries that export goods and services outside of our region. Exporting industries provide better jobs, pay more, on average about $15,000 more. But we are losing these high-quality jobs quickly. Of 22 industries we have here, only three have gained more jobs than the national average. But again, there's another equity story taking place. The greatest declines are concentrated in industries that employ people of color and workers without a college degree. Chicago will never be a Houston dominated by the oil and gas industry, nor are we Silicon Valley with the high tech sector. However, we do have one of the most diverse set of industries among major cities, and that is our strength. An economic recovery that's inclusive will require a regional strategy that invests in our exporting industries and fosters equitable access to the good jobs they provide. But as we focus on improving the transportation network and developing an inclusive economy, we cannot do so without mitigating the transportation industry's long-term effects on climate, which is the third critical area that CMAP will be doubling down on under my leadership. The entire region has been designated as non-attainment by the standards of the Clean Air Act, meaning that our emissions level are high enough to qualify for additional federal funding. And while everyone likes more money, I think many of us would agree that having healthier communities, less asthma and children would be a better trade-off. Whereas other cities around the world are seeing the positive effects of reduced greenhouse gases during COVID, Chicago has not seen those same reductions largely because of our transportation industry and the fact that it's kept on moving. As a region, we have some catching up to do. We've been investing in efficient transit like electric buses and shared bike programs like Divi, as well as improving accessibility around Metra and CTA stations. And because of social distancing, we're seeing more people riding their bikes and walking. If these levels are sustained beyond the pandemic, it provides us with an opportunity to design streets for everyone, regardless of age, ability, or mode of transportation. It's been heartening to see cities across the region, including Chicago, Arlington Heights, and McHenry, among others, rethink their public spaces to accommodate social distancing and outdoor dining. Perhaps our expectations of how we use streets and public spaces will be permanently changed for the better beyond COVID. While trying to reduce already high emissions levels, we also need to invest in long-term solutions to create a more resilient region. Northeastern Illinois is projected to see even greater changes in temperature and precipitation in the coming years. If you remember the rainstorms last month, water doesn't care what county you live in. It impacts our communities and transportation system regardless. The last five years have been the hottest on record and just last month, May, was the wettest one ever. And although many of us know where flooding happens, we didn't have a regional map of flood risk. 
CMAP developed the first ever regional flood susceptibility index to identify the areas most at risk with the hopes that policymakers can use this to invest our limited resources where they'll have the biggest impact. On the left the re- is the regional map of flood risk, and on the right is a zoomed-in version of Southern Cook and South Suburban communities. As you can see, another story starts to emerge. 84% of people living in low-income areas are in communities that are most of, at risk of, for flooding. The impacts of climate change hit vulnerable populations harder, not only with flooding costs, but with health issues that go along with it. Chronic stress, having to worry about your basement flooding every time it rains, exposure to mold, backed up sewer systems, also makes people more vulnerable to complications from COVID. We also need to build a more resilient transportation system. Our roads were not built to withstand current levels of rainfall, and this has economic implications. Flooded streets and unreliable transit make it harder to keep our economy moving, not to mention the costs of maintaining our infrastructure. Transportation, inclusive economic growth, and climate resiliency. These are complicated, interrelated issues that cannot be solved by one agency alone. We've seen progress when we work together. So I ask each of you, from where you sit, from your position of power, what can you influence or innovate to move us just one step forward in these critical areas? As I look to what the future could hold, I'm reminded of Daniel Burnham's 1909 plan of Chicago, which provided much of the structure we've come to know and love, from the free and open lakefront to the boulevards and forest preserves. Now is the time to really leverage the opportunities that face us. So I ask you, what are you going to do with this opportunity? All right, Erin, that was great. Um, Round of applause, everyone at home. I know it's a little different uh, that we're all virtual, but you heard Erin. So what are you going to do with this opportunity? If you have some initial thoughts, please share them in the comment box and uh, we'll share some as they come in. And we're going to kick off with a question. Um, Again, if you've got questions, submit them and we've got time to get as many. We'll try to get as many as we can. Um, Okay, the first question comes from Brenda Berman. What is your vision for best planning practices? And there's two parts to that. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic and future crisis, and then also to address systemic racial inequalities, including lack of access to safe neighborhoods. That's a great question. And I think a lot of the things that we've been talking about our CMAP are absolutely about how do we address these larger planning problems, but how do we do so in a way that includes communities and really allows communities who haven't had, like I said earlier, a seat at the table to be involved in thoughtful planning. One of the things that I am constantly reminding myself of is that I'm not an expert in everybody's community. And I'm far from the only expert in my own neighborhood, as many of you know. So I think finding ways for us to actively engage communities about their needs. And sometimes the needs sound like planning things like transportation and jobs. And sometimes, you know, I think oftentimes at at CMAP, we talk about things that are so far away that it's hard for people to contextualize. So I think breaking some of these issues down into smaller issues and and really using the, the opportunity that we have right now to talk about things like health equity, how transportation systems contribute to to positive health um, outcomes is is really critical. Great. 
Great. Um, a lot of questions about transportation, obviously, in relationship to COVID-19. Um, Chester Krapilowski asks, will new work from home situations impact traffic patterns in the future? And do you see them lasting once the pandemic recedes? We are absolutely paying attention to traffic patterns. So right now, while they're down, I know that many of you who commute across the region uh, know that, that those commute times are terribly unpredictable. And adding more people in cars to our roads doesn't solve any of our problems. So, you know, a number of the task forces that are working right now on how do we recover from this pandemic and how do we think about transportation will require us to continue to talk about uh, the importance of transit as a backbone to our economy. Over 2 million people take transit every day in our region pre-pandemic. And we can't add that many new cars to our roads. So it's top of mind. And I think that this uh, will require us to think through maybe some different uh, strategies and collaboration opportunities with the private sector as well to think through how we can alternate start times. You know, if those are the things that we can do to help smooth the congestion on our roadways. Great, great. Um M. Hall from White & Co. asks, how can we get more girls and young women to get excited about careers in transportation? <laughs> you know, that's a that's an awesome question. And I think that if I had known that, you know, transportation was as dynamic as it is uh, when I was younger, perhaps I wouldn't have come to it so late in my uh, career. You know, it's really about working with the schools. I think it's about engineering firms and transportation companies finding ways to partner with young people in their neighborhoods, you know, through civic organizations and showing them that it's not just, you know, uh, uh, you know, a very stodgy organization. You know, the transportation is cool. It's dynamic. You can talk about solving really great problems and building bridges. It's, it's just finding ways to get young people involved and show them, I think, is probably the best way that we can all uh, get more women and girls and minorities included in transportation planning. Awesome. Um, and a question from the live stream. Um, Zorika Nedovich Budik with UIC asks, please elaborate on lakefront, lakefront projects to alleviate lake water rise during climate change. Is there an opportunity to deal with it alongside Lakeshore Drive improvements? Oh, good question. You know, we've been participating in the North Lakeshore Drive process, and I was previously involved at, when I was at the Illinois Department of Transportation. I think one of the things about our lakefront and about the, the water challenges that we're seeing there, too, is thinking about how we can invest in green infrastructure to help support and absorb, you know, those heavy rain incidences um, as well. I think one of the things that we see in some of our counties that have forest preserves, those forest preserves are sponges and they soak up the water. So there's some definitely some innovative strategies strategies could be brought to the table through that project. Great. Um, great question just came in from um, uh, Harvid Singh. Can we conduct studies to show how much risk riding public transportation truly presents in terms of COVID transmission? Transit will continue to suffer unless confidence builds in taking transit in the Chicagoland area. Absolutely. Hi, Harvind. Um, Thanks for the question. Absolutely. I know that CTA, Metra, Pace, the RTA, they are cleaning their facilities. They are cleaning those buses and train cars like they never have before. And we want to restore public transit 
public trust in transit. It's going to be critical to moving our economy and getting back to, you know, quote unquote, business as normal uh, as usual in our region. Once that there's, you know, once there's a, a vaccine and, and good contact tracing, we want people back on transit to help solve our problems here. But, you know, I, I think that I think we can learn from some other cities about what they're doing. But I think, too, you know, the more of us who are leaders who understand that that they are that the public workers are really working to make sure that that experience is safe, um, that that will be helpful for us to continue to communicate that, that, that this is an option for people to continue to get around in our region. Great. Um, Robert Ginsburg asks, please discuss more about what CMAP is doing to link transportation to affordable housing throughout the county. Also, are you engaging with municipalities and counties to coordinate regional planning? So we are working with counties and municipalities on implementing the regional plan. And one of the things that I'm uh, have tasked my staff with and that we're focused on is figuring out how we can communicate sort of these bigger picture regional uh, challenges, uh, communicate those in a way that's meaningful to local communities. So we are actively, we have, um, we've been writing comprehensive plans for communities across our region for the past decade. Housing is a critical component. I think for a lot of times we're trying to fix um, what is a jobs housing mismatch with moving people on transit. So I think there's some good opportunities for us to think through right now how we bring those together more holistically, how we start thinking about zoning codes and how they impact the types of places that we are able to build across our region. Good. We've got a few more questions. Um, Audrey Winnick from the Metropolitan Planning Council asks, what is the goal on the onto 2050 regional plan that we are making the fastest progress towards achieving? That's a great question. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I know that we've been really focused on some of the transportation funding um, and making sure that the funding is uh, allocated equitably across the region. And we've made some big progress, big strides in that that manner. Um, you know, I think some of the other things, too, that we're making some good progress on are really thinking through how we increase um, data and information for communities to be able to plan better for walkability across our region. We recently created a, a full set of data of sidewalks across our region um, so that local planners can be able to use that data to prioritize and to be able to identify places where there might be really great opportunities to do some low budget things that would connect people to transit or connect people to employment. Good, good, good. All right. I think we'll do two more questions and then we can wrap it up. Um, Maggie Solace with Applied Ecological Services writes, stimulus funding can be used for building green infrastructure that addresses water issues, which also creates jobs. The problem with local budgets and the ability to provide the required match is preventing local businesses from taking advantage of these funds. Any suggestions as to how to better link government with this funding? Yeah, local match is a challenge for a lot of communities across the region. So I know that on some of the statewide planning projects that the Illinois Department of Transportation is putting out this year, they're providing the local match for communities. I know that we've been working too on finding ways to allow communities who don't have the resources to be able to take advantage of, you know, phase one funding. Cook County also has a great program where 
they are providing phase one funding for projects to move forward. But I think as we think out into the future, we need to be um, more thoughtful about how those opportunities serve as barriers and how we can, you know, think about our funding pots a little bit more differently to, to achieve some of those longer goals. Because if you can't get started and you have a good idea, um, it really is a huge impediment to getting those projects completed. All right, I'm going to do one final question and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, Sarah H of HNTB asks, um, or says, uh, during COVID-19, bus ridership has remained strong on the south side where buses provide critical access to businesses and employees. Will this revelation begin to influence how transit is prioritized in the region? I would certainly hope so. I mean, I think that if we don't come out on the other side of this and figure out some of the things that we know um, are opportunities to improve transit, then we will have missed a huge opportunity here. You know, and I think that we're lucky in this region that we have fixed route rail, that we have suburban commuter rail, but we have a really strong bus network and those buses can be moved. So I think that one of the things we should start thinking about is where people need to get to, where are the jobs, where are the people with the skills to get to those jobs? How can we help them get there more efficiently and more productively in the future. Awesome. I think we have one last question coming in. But while we wait for that question, I just want to again thank our sponsors today, CDM Smith and ComEd. I want to thank all the City Club viewers out there. Thank you for engaging. And especially thank you to um, Aaron, for joining us on our first uh, event with our platform and your CMAP team. I know there are a lot of challenges. You guys are working diligently and efficiently to come up with solutions to better our region. And for our final question, um, Robert Riegio, uh, thank you for acknowledging how planners and developers have contributed to many of the inequities in the region. We lose a lot of trust when we ask communities to plan with us, but their plans remain on a shelf and they're not implemented. What do you think is the role of MPOs in going beyond planning and into implementation? For example, making these plans actually happen. Yeah. Well, you know, MPOs are sort of funny animals in that we don't have any local land use authority, but we do have a big care, which are those allocation of, of federal transportation dollars um, that come to our region here. And so I think as we think about how we help communities uh, implement the plans that we have, it's about putting together some achievable first steps. And, and like I said, um, not thinking the same way about how we've distributed funding in the past, really thinking through, okay, what's going to help communities today and how can we solve those problems? And I think it's doable. And I think that we just need to start asking better questions of ourselves in terms of what we want to achieve and what we can, what we can actually do, right? If you continue to do the same old things, you're going to get the same old results. And I really believe that there's a way for us to really transform, you know, transportation planning, community planning across our region for it to, to be more impactful. Well, Erin, thank you so much for sharing your progress at CMAP, and we really appreciate you taking the time. Again, thank you to everyone. If you're not a member of the City Club, please consider joining. And Erin, I'm pleased to present you with an honorary membership to the City Club and a transparent mug that you thank can you. enjoy from home or wherever you know you 
choose to socially distance um, and have a cup of coffee. So thank you again for watching. Um, we'll be having Jamal Cole of My Black, My Hood, My City on July 8th, so a week from Wednesday. So please sign up if you'd like to tune in to hear Jamal. And um, thank you again, everyone. Have a great day.